listening to season two of Pod. We are sisters, one West Coast, one East Coast, one straight mom of toddler twins, one gay, uh, multiply divorced, <laughs> one lifelong gag of the Chrissy fan, one new reader. Season one got the two of us through the first shitty year of COVID. Follow along with us for season two as we drink and sometimes remember to talk about the book. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Borrowpod. Borrowpod, back to our regularly scheduled going through Agatha Christie books. I feel like we've Uh, had a bunch of different uh, things. Yeah, we're back to it. We're going back to our chronological study. um, And we have reached the moving finger. What year is it set in, Portia? Or what year was it written? 42. It came out the same year as The Body in the Library. Okay. Um, So before we get into the plot, why is that the title? Every time I would be like, we have, oh, we're doing that book. Which book is that? There's nothing about a finger ever. Okay. Um, According to the Wikipedia page, which it is based on a poem. Actually, I'm, hang on. Let me get there. I spelled Wikipedia wrong. That's good. <laughs> um, so I, they had something, but I didn't, you know, I just said, oh, okay. Um, but I'll tell you. you know, like we were talking about like the body in the library. I know exactly which book that is, but some of these the, other ones, like the, the title has nothing to do with the plot. It's like. Okay. So the book takes its name from Quatrain 51 of Edwards Fitzgerald's translation of the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam, the moving finger writes and having writ moves on not all thy piety nor wit shall lure it back to cancel half a line nor all the tears wash out a word of it. The poem in turn refers to something in the book of Daniel where the expression the writing on the wall originated the title shows in the story figuratively and literally the anonymous letters point blame from one town um, to another. The police detector determines that the L of envelopes were all typed by someone using one finger to avoid a recognizable touch. Boo. So, yeah, it's that's a stretch, Agatha. It's a stretch. I mean, it's fine. I, I it's it, no, it's fine. It's like you know, it's an outcast song title. You know, they're just not going to necessarily relate to. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you know it's 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 creative and thoughtful it just makes it hard when we're doing this be like wait which book is that because you're like you know right because some of them are like yeah that's what it's about like the abc's murderers or the body in the library or right yeah okay anyway so that was my first like what but yes yeah because it kind of, you, like, you, when you read that, you picture, like, that, like, the body's not dead yet and the finger's moving sort of on a dead body. At least that's what happens. That's what I, that's what comes to mind for me. Oh, as opposed, yeah, yeah, so, okay. Because like, the moving finger, does, that's not, like, to me, again, in, from my cultural context, like, it would be, like, not a pointing finger or, a, you know. Right, right, or, or, or whatever, you know, apparently having to do with anonymous letters, which is a plot point. Yes. Um, 
So this is technically a Miss Marple book, but you would not know that until it doesn't you show up till the end. Three quarters of the way through the book. Right. Um, so it just not, pops in at the end. It's not a it's not in her town where we've gotten to know the people. Um, yeah, she is not there. And so most of it is from the point of view of a young man. We think he's a young man. He was in a car crash or something. Plane plane, plane crash. He's a pilot, and he seems okay. So the the uh, the main character's name is Jerry Burton, and he and his sister Joanna are the kind of brother and sister that live together. Which there's a uh, couple of in the story. Which there yeah. are, um, but but it's interesting because a lot of the ones when you read it, like the other one in this is like where they're both like Spinster and Mister Spencer, um, Bachelor confirmed bachelors or whatever like that that's the the lifestyle but these two seem like to be well-to-do socialites that are both active like they both date and do stuff like it's not like they're right so they they never say their age and it kind of drives us crazy but i'm thinking they are well it's funny in now times i would say they were 25 right because they were established, they have some self-confidence, um, they're out doing things, but also in now times, they would have had a job. <laughs> well, see, the thing, in, in, in now times, I would have said they were 35. Oh, fair. But, but I'm thinking, like, for then times, it would have been 25. But yeah, no matter what, they would have had jobs because, well, I mean, maybe not. Um, yeah. But they're definitely socialites who just like socialize. So, anyways, but the plot is that uh, Jerry was was because he's he's a pilot, but I don't think for for work. I think he just likes to fly. Or is this a war thing? Because this is again set right in the middle of World War Two. It's been going yeah, for but it, years. They 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 made it sound like he was recreational flying. They did not okay. make it sound like he was like so convalescing from the is... war. It is once again Agatha being like, "What war?" You know, which fair. You know, I think that for people at the time might have been, and apparently this was originally a serial that was published in a magazine, which you can imagine war is going on, everything sucks, like pandemic or all the things where you're just like it comes out once a week in a magazine. Yeah, you, you don't know. want to have to read about yeah the the terribleness that's going on. So let's have escapism. So. She, once again, her, you know, she's pretending. So the plane crash is vague. It's just that he's supposed to go to the country to recover. Right. Um, Basically, he, he he was pretty badly injured, but his doctor says he'll make a complete recovery, but it'll take a while. And the doctor gives him. It's so funny because it seems like in that time, or at least in these books, you know, the advice is like, the medical advice is to like, go get some fresh air and convalesce in a in the country like as if that's I guess it might be I, mean, I was like you know from a medical neuroplasticity sure you know like you can make the well, argument I, for why he would want to go to a different environment and maybe a, a different environment less stressful maybe but also um london still known for having really really terrible air you know that's because, true you know so maybe it doesn't smell as bad but you know but it's and then, you know and he did say that like he was really happy to take that advice because he didn't want his friends all coming to like, you know, feel sorry for him and stuff. So 
Right. He was happy to do that. So what they do, so Jerry and Joanna um, go rent one of those big country homes that's, you know, through a leasing agent. And they rent it from not Miss Marple, but basically Miss Marple. Well, not her personality. Not her personality. An old lady, but not a lady who was a dedicated servant who's like, you know, and then who needs the money and moved into a much smaller place, but took all of her nice furniture with her. But she yeah, so like- they do sort of refer to like the recession and how like people who, you know, families that used to have money don't as much as they used to and the the stocks not paying out what they used to, but somehow Jerry and Joanna's family still has plenty of money. They seem to not have any family members. Right. Yeah. So they don't really talk about that. But then also Jerry was told to go to the country. And then, so why did, and he says, my sister's coming and it makes no sense because she's young. She likes to go out to clubs in London. This makes no sense. But she said, she's so broken up about her recent because she sounds like she goes through, she's a serial monogamist who goes through boyfriend after boyfriend. And then and she dates she, tortured artists who are unrecognized and like supports them. And then when they get some success and move on, then she's bro- she's heartbroken for one week and then finds another one. Right. And so she's like, I'm totally broken up about Paul. So I think the country would be good. And Jerry is very skeptical because he's like, you like to party, go out to clubs in London. You're going to hate it in a small town but whatever you can come um, and what's really interesting from the beginning i would say like you know i feel like most of the books have really had this like air of respectability especially around sex you know even that one what was the one where they're like um where we had that whole guy fox night discussion oh yeah um like those yeah. were young people living in an apartment, but it was very clear, like where they entertained and like respectability yeah, that was around that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this one was like clearly Jerry and Joanna date and have sex with people, and it's not a thing. Like they're, it, it felt very like they weren't like oh they date and keep it respectable. They they had no um, respectability qualms. Right. And yeah. And so clearly- and they're aware that they're in this small country town and that the people might think it's weird, but they don't like with their London life, you know, I don't know. He just kind of refers to her like having lovers and like, oh, and- really? I didn't remember her referred to a lover having lovers, but there's definitely a, yeah, she dates a lot and she gets serious. I mean, I, mean, I don't know if he used the word lover because that word is gross even yeah. to me yeah. now times, but like, I don't know. I, I just felt like, I felt like there was Im- implied uh you know modern relationships like right that she was having these she wasn't just dating men and then like looking for the one she's having like full-on affairs or which but yeah but like yeah all these words sound scandalous but like she's dating in the modern way seems like to me totally and so when she was like i broke up with paul and i need some time and he's like whatever you're gonna find somebody in two seconds you know, that sounds more modern. Joanna, in so many ways, seems like a very modern person. Actually, both of them do. Um, well, Joanna is more her. Yeah. Because I just the whole book, I was like, yeah, Joanna. Yeah. Yeah. I get this, you know. Mm-hmm. And then the way they react to small town, you know, so they get a lot of people reacting to them. So the, the whole book is them having the this tiny small town called what lim limestock limstock yeah 
Um, and so them reacting, so they meet all the people. So they meet the local lawyer or solicitor, I'm sorry, the local doctor, then the, yeah, so the, the lawyer and his wife, the doctor and his sister. And then there's the local gay guy who collects um, <laughs> antiques. Who creeps everybody out. Who creeps everybody out because homophobia. But they don't say... But also, but I wasn't, wasn't, I wasn't just homophobia. Like, I think there is a non-homophobic way to have a character who's like gay but still creepy to... Like, to, to like not... He, like he was I didn't get the sense that he was creepy. I got the sense that he was judgmental. And maybe that's why people didn't like him cuz he was definitely like, "Oh, I have these pieces and they don't." Like he had the the it was the arbiter of taste thing that I thought there was a little bit of like they were doing the gay stereotype of like definitely that. Yeah, definitely. I guess yeah, I mean I feel like the protagonist definitely didn't like him and I didn't think it was homophobia. I thought it was sort of like someone I don't like about that guy yeah and maybe it was because jerry thinks he has taste and mr pie that was the guy that we're talking yeah, about was like i'm the one who has taste but um but like so one interesting thing so they're meeting all these people oh and then it was the local vicar vicar oh um, yeah so the vicar who his... they don't talk that much about but his wife was really interesting right she's apparently like super bossy and uh, says things out loud that people are like, oh. Um, See, I didn't even find her bossy, but I, it was like, she sort of like just says the thing out loud. Right. She's just, yeah. She kind of uh, calls things out and she doesn't necessarily follow the social norms. So she's another one. So like the gay guy is arbiter of taste and she's just sort of like says things that people are like, oh, she said it, even though, but it's the truth. Right. But she's not necessarily saying the respectable thing. She'll just say like what's actually going on, right? And she kind of she kind of reads you, right? Yeah, and her husband apparently just likes to quote Latin and is like super absorbed. In- and if you if you go back to her early dialogue, she calls the whole murder from the beginning. Oh, Day, um, Mrs. Calthrop. Yeah, Day- yeah, she's the one. She's like. She's just like she's the one who says from the very beginning that like you know there's no truth to any of these letters. Yeah, um, and so the last so bit of characters—it's weird that they're not based in anything because there is scandal, but they're not based in the scandal. Yeah, we haven't really talked about because pretty early on, when they're still meeting people, they get an anonymous letter written to the two of them, and it says, uh, "Maybe you guys aren't actually brother and sister. Maybe you're living in sin." And both of them are like, "Well, that's just weird and creepy." And it's like it's like cut out letter. The letters like. The, the the letters are cut out of a book yeah so it's like one of those note like threatening letter kind of things but it's like yeah they, and very they used um uneducated language and kind of offensive language just to basically say like yeah you're saying that's your sister but it's not your sister and then it's really, it's really your lover and um they do they do it own that they don't they're a brother sister that don't look very much alike yeah and then they are like um feel kind of like we just got here they're still meeting people and they're like is this how everybody feels but then they start to discover that everybody's been getting these letters i think Um, they call his sister a painted trollop yep yeah (laughs) because he was wearing makeup which you know um 
as we talked about, if she was a young woman who was going to clubs in London, she's probably wearing makeup, you know, but anyway, so, uh, so they feel a little bit like, does everybody hate us? But then they start talking to other people and they're like, oh yeah, everybody's gotten a letter. I just had to look up trollop. I didn't actually know that word. I mean, I got it from the context, but it says a woman who has many casual sexual encounters or relationships. <laughs> Which as we were describing might not be inaccurate about Joanna, but right. <laughs> actually I got the sense she wasn't casual. Like she would fall fiercely in love for like three months. Right. And then move on. And then move on. So it's not casual. But yeah, but she's not as like, you know, we might expect for women from now on and before to be husband shopping always, you know, right. but it doesn't right. sound like she is. Right. So we we didn't mention all the rest of the characters. Uh, there is, um, so in the lawyer, the solicitor, sorry, the solicitor's house, he's got a wife, he's got two younger sons, but he also has an older daughter from a previous marriage. The, it's the wife's daughter. Oh, it's the wife's it's daughter? stepdaughter, Yeah. He's not related to Megan. Oh, it's the wife's daughter. Megan is his, yeah, is his stepdaughter. She's oh, okay. from, she's from, that's the whole thing about, his, okay. Okay. On. So I forgot. So he has this older stepdaughter who's 20, but they keep describing her like she's 12. Um, yeah. She went away to school and came back and then now is like trying to figure out what the heck to do with her life. And she's bored yeah but, she's kind of like yeah floating she's in between and, and but also sure she is uh not good at dressing up and wearing makeup and all of that kind of stuff she doesn't give a shit about any of that it's mm -hmm. clear and so they're like maybe you should hold balls for her i mean whatever they do for coming out like back at the, the tradition and she's like why the hell would i do that and but then also, it was kind of the whole, yeah, there's a sort of a theme about her being sort of forgotten by her family and like everyone kind of overlooks her. And it was sort of like her mom remarried this new guy. They had two younger boys and like she's sort of an afterthought now. Yeah. And then they have a governess who uh, the first time Jerry sees her, he's like, oh, my God, what a beautiful blonde goddess. It's, it's Aphrodite. She's everything. And then she talks and it's one of those times when like someone talks and just ruins it and i really it was so hilarious the way it was written this this book is so well written the dialogue and the little subtle things they put in and i was like oh my god i can totally relate to totally. that one like you're totally drawn to someone and then they speak and you're like oh no and you totally yeah. are not drawn to them anymore and you're like in fact they become less attractive to you just because like either like i can remember annoying or not smart or I can remember this guy in uh, freshman year of college who I really tried hard because I was like, he's so cute. And then he started talking and I was like, no, I'm going to hold on to him. he's cute. He's cute. But he got more and more reactionary and more and more kind of closed minded. And I was like, ah, oh. because he just it literally feels like his face has changed. And I'm like, ew. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it can. I think depending on how you're wired and I think we're both wired that way that like someone can become unattractive or become attractive based on that kind of stuff yeah yeah so anyway so the she was a pretty governess but not very bright and so jerry was like as soon as she started talking was like Meh, you know but said and it's, it's, and it's really interesting because jerry and joanna have a really interesting conversation about that a little bit later where joanna kind of is laughing at his disappointment and her like how she lost her hotness and Joanna, she uses the term SA, which they never define, but I'm pretty sure she means um, 
sex appeal. Uh, sex appeal. But she's like, isn't it interesting about SA and how a woman can be like, not that attractive, but there's, you know, she's the one that like nobody can take their eyes off or someone can be very attractive, but doesn't have SA. And it's so true too. Like there are people who just have that vibe or whatever they have the ick factor and it's not necessarily about their attractiveness it's just some sort of a thing and so this this woman so has tr- is attractive but doesn't have sa and i think we learned sa in one of the earlier marple books wasn't it in um the tuesday club murders maybe and i remember the younger actress saying it's called sa sex appeal and miss marple saying oh we used to call it the come hither in europe <laughs> But that idea that there was a newer phrase so that, of course, Jerry and like young people wanted to be like S.A. Um, and but it's funny because Megan didn't have any S.A. She was called awkward and kind of like horse and, you know. And, and, and well, and mostly they just referred to her as like a kid, even though she was 20. Yeah. And she was Which a is why person. We had a lot of trouble trying to figure out how old jerry and joanna were because it's like if you were 25 and somebody's 20 it's not that big of a difference you know and right. so it's kind of funny to be like wait a minute like but but also in london in 42 i don't think they would have had 30 or 35 year olds going out to clubs and doing what they were doing you know what i mean yeah but- i yeah i'm guessing that they were like mid-20s but but again, just a very different life. So, like, they've been in, in London partying, and she's been in a small town. Right, right. So, um, anyway, I think that's everybody, except for the, the surgeon. There's a little, well, there's um, Amy. What? Amy? Who's Amy? Amy. Amy. There's the woman who, like, is always trying to get Megan to be an industrious young woman. Oh, the, the doctor's wife. Um, um, doctor's sister. Doctor's sister, yeah. Right. The doctor's sister is kind of like, yeah, yeah. She's, she's always coming around trying to get everyone to act respectable. Right. And she's kind of, it's interesting because they definitely had her. She must be around their same age too, because Joanna's like, what about her for Jerry? And he's like too much of an Amazon and she's too uptight. So she must be relatively their age. Right. But at the conclusion, when we find out who she's in love with, I was going to guess that she was like in, in her 30s. Oh, right. Because of, I don't know how, how old anybody is. But then we also have the servants. And this is what was really interesting is that Jerry and Joanna definitely had money. But they had no idea how to deal with house servants. Because there was a servant who was in the house that they were renting who stayed on. Right. She, it, and she was uh, basically a housekeeper cook. Right, and so she stayed in the house for um for the old lady, Miss Barton. She stayed in the house while they were renting, while Miss Barton took a smaller place and got. And Miss Barton stayed with just a small housemaid, but the housekeeper cook stayed, and her name was like Beatrice. And then Beatrice, oh no, Partridge, sorry, Partridge. Partridge. Yeah. And Partridge comes to them and is like, um, a former person who used to work for me, but now works for the Symingtons wants to have tea with me and have some advice. And Jerry's like, sure, whatever. You could have tea with whoever you want. And she's like, you know, and he's like, I, okay, I screwed that up. I did that wrong. But it's like, he doesn't know the 
like proper etiquette because he's like yeah he and joanna are both very liberal like hey yeah do what you want you're a person it's your day off and she's like it was one of those things where the servant was enforcing the restrictor rules upon their own self because like the respectability thing right and so yeah again being in the small town they were like the mistress would never have allowed that and they were offended that these these like you'd think oh people would like it better if we're more liberal and we're but but you know it was one of those things where they were sort of offended and didn't like it when people when they were more liberal yeah, and it kind of reminded me of um, the story written by the turf who shall not be named, but like how the, um, uh, oh God, now I can't think of them. The the guys who- The, the house elves? Our house elves who were like, they, I couldn't possibly- Right, right, Dobby was the only one who- Dobby was the like, only one who wanted freedom and all the rest of them were like, I'm happy to serve. It kind of reminded me of that. Like, mm-hmm, yeah. Um, where it's like- wait a minute why do you want to serve like why can't right. you you know and so it kind of part uh, uh partridge was offended by jerry being like sure of course you could have tea with whoever you want on your day off it's your day off and she's like miss barton would never allow it you know mm-hmm. and apparently miss barton grew up in this house and her mom like controlled all of the daughters and none of them got married and it was like okay that's yeah she was like this controlling matriarch who kind of abused her daughters for never getting married but also never gave them a chance to get married because she just dominated their lives and they all died off you know she died off and then all the sisters died off and then emily was the last one who owned the house and there was a moment when it was going through things that i was like emily killed everybody because wasn't that a plot of like one of the other ones right right yeah so i was like ah she killed off her mom and all of her sisters but she was really old so it was like that was not the thing but it made me think about it for a second right right Right, so that's that's the major setup so there's these anonymous letters so they get the one Jerry and Joanna get the one that's like your sister that your the painted trollop staying with you is not really your sister right but then pretty quickly after sharing that they find out that lots of people are getting these letters that it's a thing and then they tend they started becoming friends with um the Dr. Griffin because I think he must be younger he's educated like they're tr- starting to make friends with people who live in the town and so dr griffin's like talking to them about the letters and be like oh yeah lots of people got them and then we come up with this uh and then they start but there's talking- a subplot so jerry's becoming friends with the doctor but the doctor keeps cold shouldering joanna and she's really ups- like she gets kind of like i think she's jerry lets us know that his sister's gorgeous and so joanna is not used to men not paying attention to her and so when the doctor's sort of ignoring her she she starts to perseverate on the fact that he's not he's not paying attention to her and so like they're not all friends and so she sort of like is like excuse me hi and it's interesting because jerry's not sure who to root for because it's his sister but also she's gone through so many like tortured artists and this is not a tortured artist this is like a doctor in a town he's successful you know and so yeah she, he kind of says to Joanna, he's like he's too good for you and your nonsense like she doesn't he doesn't want because he, he likes the guy right and then jerry also kind of becomes friends with um mrs dane calthrop who is the reverend or the vicar's wife 
Um, and then, um, although she's kind of like, I mean, she seems to be older, but yeah, they're, and they then, have some good conversations. And of course they have tea with everybody because apparently that's what you do when you move to a small town. But then he also starts hanging out with and chatting with Megan, who, um, is also says the wrong thing at the wrong time all the time. And is described a lot as awkward, but Jerry really likes her, but she kind of, she clearly has either low self-esteem or imposter syndrome from kind of living in a family that's kind of forgotten about her. But then it's funny because it's, it's interesting because like people kind of refer to her as slow. And when he actually talks to her, she's like, Oh yeah, people think I'm stupid. I'm not stupid. I mean, half the time she spends insulting herself. Right. She's like, I'm really stupid at this and that. Like she, she does a lot of negative self-talk, but then she'll also be like, people think I'm dumb. I'm not dumb. I just don't care to like say the thing that they want to hear or whatever, or I know that they've written me off, so I don't bother. And I, she's very aware because it's like her family's clearly like, it's like, it's like 16 candles where like, they're like, oh yeah, Megan, does she live here? I think so. But like, they forget about her. And she's very aware of that, and she can tell that, like, she's, like, her mom and her mom's new husband and this family have this perfect little thing, and when she was away at school, it was fine, but now that she's back, it's just sort of, like, she's extra. And she's very aware of that, but the way that she sort of doesn't play the game, people think she's weird or slow or something. She's more that she's not. Yeah. But it's interesting because, yeah, she comes off younger than she is and kind of out of it. But then for some reason, Jerry and she kind of bond. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So there's everybody's getting these anonymous letters. That's they're making these friends. And then Megan's mom, the wife of the local solicitor, dot, is dead. And there's a note that says, I can't go on a glass that has cyanide in it. Um, and one of the anonymous letters. And one of the letters that said that her husband wasn't the father of the second son that she had. And so then it was like suicide. And then people are like, oh, my gosh, these letters and cops start getting involved um, trying to figure out who the letters are. Um, I'm going to get some more tea. So I have to tell you because you're going to be alarmed that I'm walking away. I'm alarmed. I'm alarmed. I'm alarmed. (laughs) Um. Yeah, so she dies, and now the letters are a bigger deal, and they have an investigator coming in to, like, they have a professional Scot- Scotland Yard guy who's always, like, or who's, who, who is a specialist in this, and he's like, it's always the same kind of thing, there's a profile, it's an unhappy woman. Yeah, and so it is always assumed from the get-go that the letter writer is a woman from the get-go. Which is interesting, right? Because, like, you have to, like, it's such a tell in these things. Like, whenever they're only considering a uh, killer of one gender, it's always the other gender, right? Because it's like, that's, it's, it's, it's a, you know what I mean? Whenever they're like it. It was this. It could not have ever. It could only looking at this half of the population. It's always the other one. Yeah, totally. Spoiler. Um, But of course, we're going to get to the killer. But yeah, the idea that um, because it's like it's a these anonymous letters are a thing that this certain profile of woman does. And so this guy comes in from Scotland Yard and he's like, these are the things we know and this is how it goes and nothing new under the sun. Seen this a million times. We'll figure it out. And actually, the only person that they think 
who might a male who might have written the letters is the gay guy. And again, right. they never say the word gay because she never does that. But they keep on talking about how feminine he is. And right. so he could have written the letters because he's feminine. Anyway, so he was the only one. But they're now they're kind of looking for the letters. And then they figure out that the... Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. So when it comes to the letters, the townspeople, this whole... Like, the whole thing with these letters is that it's it's messing up everybody because of the the impression that it gives to everybody. So, basically, everyone starts saying, no smoke without fire, no smoke without fire. And so, oh, meaning yeah. that, like, if there's a rumor, there's probably some truth to it. And so, Jerry and Joanna are brother and sister. There's no weirdness there. But, like, the, the woman or the girl that was coming to their house to clean on a weekly basis or something she stopped coming because she got a letter that accused that like something improper was going on with her and jerry and she didn't want people to think that and her mom said i mean i knew it wasn't happening but people will think no smoke without fire so everything about this all the rumors sort of are all the all the letters everyone keeps saying annoyingly to jerry well no smoke without fire and so um, they keep dropping all these things and then people are getting upset or thinking there must be something to it. And so that's what they assume with with the woman who died is that there was some truth to the letter well, yeah. that she received. So she killed herself. And one of the things that the Dane, Mrs. Dane Calfrup said from the very beginning is like, there is lots of scandal here. It's a small town. There's a bunch of people. Of course, there's scandal. But these letters are all wrong. None of them are right. They're all yeah, and, and it was interesting. She has a very interesting conversation with Jerry because she's like, what was yours? And he's like, oh, that my sister's not my sister. And she's like, and she is. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, but, she said, but there are, I'm sure there are things you wouldn't want to be brought up, which of course we all have things we don't want to talk about, but it wasn't based in truth. So, um, so she kind of calls out from the beginning that there's no truth behind any of these. They don't even lean towards one that like, oh yeah, that's always been a rumor or we've always had that question there. There is gossip, but none of this is based on the gossip. Right. And then they try to like figure out who hasn't gotten a letter. And then Miss Barton, to uh, who's the old lady that they rented from, said she didn't. But then the cops are like, yes, she did. And then, you know, like, Wait, what? Every, what did you just say? Miss Barton, the house, the old lady that the house that they rented from mm-hmm. originally. Told, oh, said that she didn't get one, but she did. But she did. Um, but there was a lot of like, who hasn't gotten one? You know, like that. And then they did figure out that the letters, not the letters, the envelopes that had the printed addresses on them with the names that were typed on a single typewriter which is now in like the community center. It was donated by Mr. Symington, the lawyer to the women's auxiliary or whatever. Yeah. So basically everyone has access to it. Right. So it's like a community center. And so like anybody could use this typewriter. So that doesn't help much. Um, And so then um, this is when we get to the, the partridge goes to Jerry and Joanna and says, um at partridge who's the uh servant of the house right she's the housekeeper and she gets a phone call which offended her first of all that she got a phone call 
<laughs> and then right she was like i'm so sorry i received a call that should never have happened they're like whatever take it we it's the phone use the phone she's like huh and then she got a phone call from the servant at the simmington's house and who's like i need to talk to you i need help and she, that's when she was like i want to have tea with you because i need advice and that's when she asked jerry for permission and she, sure you can have tea with whoever you want and she's like huh that would never happen and then she didn't show for the t for tea and then jerry got time out what i forgot to give my retraction what you were trying oh <laughs> <laughs> i have been meaning to give my spangles retraction that apparently thank you to our friend slash listener trey who sent a link that spangles is a thing and maybe I heard Portia adding some more SCHs at the front. Spangles! <laughs> I was so mad. I was so mad. But Spangles is a word that is a costuming word that is, uh, I think that a sequin falls under the umbrella of Spangle. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So I owe you a total apology and I wanted to own this publicly right now in the middle of like not related at all. Right, that right. My whole Spangles <laughs> rant was unwarranted and unfair, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Spangles is a word. Thank you. Star Spangled banner is based is actually means I guess the stars are the are the sequins of the flag. <laughs> nice. Yes. Yes. To quote the yeah Star Spangled banner. Yes. So um, yes. So uh, so I I. We have gotten feedback from listeners via our email. Uh, at, just as a, since we're on a little yes, side note, shout out, shout out to Kat and uh, her her uh, appreciation appreciation. I can't talk of our nonsense. Yes. So so yeah, I said that c continue the nonsense. Which when we go down our little rants into nonsense, and then we're thinking, oh shit! I literally have been editing out a lot of nonsense, so maybe I'll leave it in if if some people are, are enjoying it. Well, our last one was like freaking three hours long, so we have to do, edit out some nonsense. <laughs> or we need to get better about part one and part two. Like, okay, like when if I'm if I'm falling asleep, we have to be like, okay. Sometimes I just I just we didn't do enough of an edit ending, and I don't know how to just be like put the outro on. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like I need closure from us before I can just edit it into like join us next week for part two because Amanda's <laughs> falling asleep. So when I start to fall asleep, you have to be like, join us next time for part <laughs> okay, two because my sister happens. is passed out. <laughs> well next week, I ironically, I mean not that we've been weekly at all with these, but next week Amanda is coming to visit again. But for work um so uh which is exciting because it's not because of work and off-brand thanksgiving and off-brand thanksgiving but it is not because one of our parents is sick yay we're going i am going with mom to a doctor follow-up but it is a how's it going check right after cancer treatment not a in the middle of cancer treatment so yeah, you're right. This is, it's actually, you're right. This is the first time I visited in a while that wasn't um, based on terribleness. Yay. Yay. Yeah. So it's, that's very exciting. Um, but it also means that you can't um, play with kiddos during the day because you are um, going to like actually be at a work conference thing. So, you know, 
I mean, yeah, I like it when they put conferences in Portland so I can just go. Yeah. And be like, the hospital should pay for this. <laughs> well, the kiddos, of course, want you to play, have Aunt Amanda come and play the whole time. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Um, okay, we, we've, we've sidetracked, and we were doing so well. I, I sidetracked, but I did want to, I did want to lead my, uh, what's the, when a, when a newspaper does a, does a retraction, a retraction, I, I, I feel bad for, I gave you so much abuse over the Spangles. Spangles, but I have to add the CH, it's S. I don't even know if you said it that way, if I just heard it that way, but. Spangles. I heard Spangle. It's a spangle. It was a spangle, but also the book did not use the word spangle. But apparently, you and your costuming. I oh yeah, I don't know where I got it from, but yeah. Speaking of which, how is the play going? Well, tonight's closing night, um, and uh, it went pretty well. I we haven't talked at all. How is it going? So give context. So um, b- before pandemic, before children, I did a lot of work, either directing or choreography or both, for musicals. Um, at my the high school I work at and I love it and um, and then I maternity leave and then pandemic and then we weren't nobody was putting on plays because and actually one of the first times that Portia and I became like close because we were not necessarily that close um, growing up because we're five years apart and very different and so we weren't necessarily all that close and then I was living in DC and you came out here for a Fosse workshop I did it was a musical theater, but Fosse was one of the focuses. Yeah, yeah. And so, and like, I feel like that was one of the first, like, and it was like, I called it Weekend of Portia or Week of Portia. And like, I brought you, like, you know, you came for the thing, like, it's kind of like what I'm doing now, but you came for a work thing, but like, you came and I took you out with all my friends. And like, I feel like we really bonded in a way that like, yeah, started us actually being friends as adults. Because prior to that, we were like, I mean, yeah, she's my sister. I love her, but I don't know what to talk to her about. Right. And then I came out. Yeah. Cause I was teaching dance and then started doing the choreography for musical theater. And yeah, I went to a week long workshop. It was awesome. And so we started, I, I, I'm always branding things. And so she, she would, she came out and we called it week of Portia WP and <laughs> we took you out and did things. And, and then that became like our little tradition. You would find like you came out for something else for studying the the constitution supreme court and things like that so i feel like you know that was i don't know i, I just in terms of our story yeah. our, our journey towards being close because we would never have done the podcast like this you know yeah and years ago we now, like, what would we talk about well it's funny because i was doing all those conferences because turns out yeah we yeah. really have switched roles in some ways huh let's get back to the book all right johnny had a sandwich no who had a sandwich <laughs> Bobby. Bobby. <laughs> I can't even remember what the Bobby had a sandwich. Um, okay. And Lady What's Her Face did some cocaine. But in this case, we're just Aubrey. Um, so we left off. Okay, I have a proposal. I think we take a break because it's been fifty-seven minutes. Okay. Um. So. Uh. So we'll take a. So quick... We will take a break. Um. And we're not going to discuss the bodily functions we're going to do on said break. <laughs> You didn't even need to say that, but I okay. know. Why should I ruined it? <laughs> like people take breaks. Actually, okay. Ooh, you have to learn about this new 
uh, show on Apple TV Plus called Slumberkins, but also it's a series of books about how to have big feelings. And today we watched an episode about how everybody poops and you don't have to be embarrassed about pooping and there's a pooping song. Oh no. <laughs> I'm embarrassed just knowing that there's a pooping song. Oh my god, Sky really liked it. Since we're trying <laughs> to get him to poop in the potty, it was perfect. <laughs> but well, um anyway. On that note. <laughs> yes. Okay. So we'll take a quick break and everybody poops. Okay. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. So you'll be happy to know, uh, listeners, on our break, I played. So this is going to be a plug for Slumberkins. Play it. (laughs) Do it. I enjoyed it. I was much more into it than I thought I would be. Play a little clip for them. So this is a local company, as in Vancouver, Washington. Um, But they have a series of books and toys kids learning about their feelings toddler pod um, and toddler pod and uh and but then they partnered with jim henson and made a, a video series that's on apple tv it must plus be his company i believe he's no longer with us right jim yeah but it's called the jim henson yeah yeah you're right but anyway so this is an episode and in it um bigfoot was worried about um uh, pooping at his friend's house. He didn't want them. To, he didn't want to poop at his friend's house because he was afraid that they would make fun of him. And then his dad said everybody poops. And then his friends were like, "Yeah, we poop too." And then they sang a song about it. But everybody poops. Oh. I don't. I know just what to do. My body is a wonderful body. It tells me when to laugh. <laughs> My body is a wonderful body. It tells me when to cry, when to sneeze, and what more. When to poop, 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 I love your poop dance. This is amazing. The dance really helps. <laughs> All right, cut it off before we get sued. Cut it off before I don't know how long that was. Okay, you're right. You're right. But I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure uh, we're Lumberkins has plugging. great lawyers. But no, but it sounds great. It's available on Apple TV. This segment was brought to you by Slumberkins. <laughs> available now on Apple TV. Because <laughs> it totally relates to what we're now we're talking about. Agatha Christie Mysteries teaching little kids to be comfortable with their and pooping. Okay. So I don't know. I still I don't I think I think Bigfoot might have been right. I I don't know if you should poop at your friend's house. Wait, let me see if that's how you get home. I'm, I'm with Bigfoot on this one. <laughs> Look, sometimes you gotta go. Actual Bigfoot? The characters are sloth. They, they, they were able to cast Bigfoot? That's that's Sloth, Fox, Unicorn, Bigfoot, and I think there's one other one. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, so we we have Bigfoot and Unicorn, as well as Sloth and Fox, and one other, which I can't remember what the other one is. But in this episode, it was Sloth, Unicorn, and Bigfoot. 
<laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to look it up. Okay. So where we left off, we're done with nonsense. Book, back to the book. This is a, this is a book. So remember that Partridge was going to meet with Agnes, who was the servant who apparently Partridge had taught her, had been her mentor when she was. Yeah, had been her mentor. Yeah. And so she went into be in service with the Symingtons. The but she had but she had been trained by Partridge. So that's why she reached out and was like, uh, I have a question about something. Can I talk to you about it? And so she, she did... reached out and, and said, and so that the plan was for her to come to tea the next day because it was Partridge's day off. But then, and then Jerry and Joanna left and then they get come home and Partridge is just pissed because she's like, after all that, she didn't show. She called and she shouldn't have called. She invited herself over, which I shouldn't have company. And then she didn't even show. But then Jerry was like, felt ooky. Yeah, there was something where he was like, that's weird. I have. And especially since it was like a week before Mrs. Symington had died, you know, and had the. It was literally a week after. Yeah. And so he's like, this feels weird. And so he called over to the Symington's. And Megan and at that and- point, it was pretty late. Like it was like after nine or ten at night. And, and he she called. Was like, he was like, "Did your did your maid come in?" And they're like, "What do you mean? Did your maid come in?" And she's there. And so Megan answers the phone, and she's like, "No." And then, like, so then they are looking for her because they're like, "What the heck?" And then Megan finds her dead in a closet, strangled. Strangled. So now we have an actual murder. Or head bashed in something bad Mm. definitely violent death violent death now i can't remember either um so um so then they're like okay Um, and then and then there was a thing about like to jerry our protagonist like where the everyone and the cops are like uh why are you here why did you figure this out and he was like oh because um our housekeeper was like and it was like it sounded kind of weird. Right. Oh, oh, the other thing was we forgot. What? What did we, we forget? The whole thing. What we did right after. Right after Megan's mom dies, Joanna has the idea that Megan should come stay with them, and she does. So, like, Megan's mom dies, mm-hmm. and and then Joanna's like, "Hey, come stay with us. Let's, you got a lot going on." come stay with us and jerry's into it so megan and she's like are you for real and she comes over but then um amy what's her face griffith the doctor's amy griffith comes by one day and like says something to her and so then she leaves all of a sudden so she had been staying with them so they're very close with megan at this point she's been living with them for a, a few days so i'm looking outside because Next door, you know, there's two teenagers who go to my school, and uh-huh. the older one is away at college, but the younger one is techie for the play, and so I can tell when the play is over every night because <laughs> they come in because the mom is going to pick them up, um, and so they, uh, but I was actually I was like, oh, they're going to pick them up. The mom is going to pick them up, and then then I'm like, wait a minute are the techies not invited to the, cause there's usually a, you know, closing night party amongst the cast and crew. What you're missing for me. No, no, no. And for the listeners. No, no, no. The, the, 
teachers are never invited to the closing night party. Oh, oh okay, okay. Oh, no, no, no. Now, gotta say, these are theater kids. So, to be fair, they are bad at this. Usually very bad at this. Like, I've actually had them be like, what about the cast party? And I've been like, honey, that's for you guys. I'm helping with all the things. <laughs> If you guys want to have a cast party, you need to have somebody who has parents who are willing to you guys have, oh, go over there and be like, oh, because once again, and this has happened multiple times. <laughs> I did this once again where I helped people do an onstage kiss. and Which for, was their first kiss ever. And it was their first kiss ever. Once again, I did that and it was their first kiss. Oh, so it's always one of those things like crazy. I can't imagine my first kiss ever being on stage or at least a, a, a rehearsal for an onstage kiss. It has been, I mean, the first time it happened was in 2007, six, six. Fuck. It doesn't matter. The point <laughs> is, I was about to say that. Um, the point is I have, it's been multiple times where it's their first kiss ever. And they have to do it in front of a teacher who's telling them that they're doing it wrong. But <laughs> I do. It's so, I feel so bad. The good news is, is I get to talk about things like you have to tilt your head, which nobody ever tells you. Right. In real life, you don't realize this when you watch kisses on TV, that if you try to kiss straight on, your noses will bump into each other. And so in real life, everyone tilts their head and you have to agree, like, we're both turning to the left or we're both tilting to the right. Otherwise, it doesn't work. It's the same problem. So <laughs> I, I get to explain this to people and it kind of helps, I think, because, you know, if, if this is your first kiss, but then I'm like, you have to tilt your head. Um, um, then that's one of the mysteries, because in real life when you're trying to kiss somebody for the first time, no one ever says, so you're left. Okay. I'll be left. Nobody ever says that out loud. It's just one of those visual cues. But then if you're new to kissing and you're thinking, Oh shit, what do I, what do I do? You have to watch and see what they're doing and going, well, they're tilting that way. So therefore I will tilt this way. Oh my God. You've really thought about this. I have not thought about this. Since, well, I've know, taught people how grade. to kiss. Who's the first weird. person you kissed, Portia? The first person I kissed? Yeah. Kindergarten. <clears throat> okay, but did you do this nose thing in kindergarten? No, no, I didn't. It's funny because it, uh, I didn't. Okay, about... and, uh, yeah, if you were kindergarten and you're being like kindergarten y about it, like who was the first person you kissed in this way where you had to do the nose thing? Probably uh, seventh grade. Seventh grade. There was a jump between kindergarten and seventh grade. That is not the name of a person. That's the name of a grade. <laughs> Jerome. Oh, Jerome. Okay. Um, but anyway, but I also, because I, I just, as a dancer, I think I know how to match a partner. And I knew that before tw when I was 12. Because. So in kindergarten, you were smoothly tilting your head. You were like, no, not in kindergarten. This. But in seventh grade, I knew how to like match a partner. So if the partner goes this way, I go that way. But yeah, I the think first person I kissed was Ong Tan in probably also seventh grade. But he was so much awkwardly shorter than me 
not <laughs> to call his height awkward, but our height difference was awkward. He was perfect in his size, and I was perfect in my size, but we were not perfectly sized in a way that would make it easy for us to join mouths. Right. Um, so I don't remember the nose thing. I remember more of the like height. We're yeah. slow dancing, and your face is in my boobs that I don't have yet. <laughs> uh, well, but and so it sounds weird, but. It. It's like one of those. I don't remember the nose thing in my consciousness, but I'm sure as directing it, you have to remember the nose thing. Well, and that's the thing is like, as a person kissing, I've never thought it about it consciously. But it reminds me of when I'm teaching a dance step, because when I'm doing a dance step, I just do it. But then when I try to explain it to somebody in words, I'm like, what did I do? Okay, elbow, hand, you know, head. Oh my gosh. See, this is why. We really do have a lot in common, even though you don't think we do it because, or one might not think we do it because that's the same thing. There's so many things. I just, I just did a, a workshop this last weekend where I'm teaching some, you know, skills in my field, and I teach them in a way that I do not think about them or, or, or that I never use. But because of all the learning styles, I have to break it down and bring math in and and physics and vectors and all the things and be like, okay, this is how it's working. Now, if this is crazy to you, don't worry about it. That's not how I do it. Right. This is for the 43% of the room that this makes sense to that I had to figure out because when I was just like, just do it the way you do it. And then people were like, right. what? Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So then I'm like, okay, what am I doing? Like you said, elbow, hand, wrist, like, you know, the same kind of thing where I'm like, okay, what is the angle of this and the angle of that? And like, how do you math it and all the things? Or I'm just like, I just, I just, I just figure it out. But you're right. There's so many things that like, depending on the on your brain style and so when i'm trying to direct kids as a kiss on stage i will say put your right hand on her shoulder put your left hand around her waist tilt your head to the left because when you're doing it in real life there's some fumbliness especially when you're doing it at the beginning and when we want them to pretend to be 40 year olds on stage kissing <laughs> You don't want the fumbliness. You don't want the fumbliness. You want it to be smooth. And especially in the Mamma Mia, the people who kiss are um, supposed to be, I don't know if, you, if you've if you seen the movie, but it's supposed to be the Meryl Streep. And, I haven't. Um, I haven't. Um, Pierce Brosnan, bless his heart, who worked so hard in the movie and should not sing bless his heart he's got you mentioned so, this last time <laughs> so many talents but but the point is is that they had been lovers and so when they get back together it's like a, like a re-falling in love um you know like they fell in love right after. so it wouldn't be fumbly it wouldn't be fumbly they would go back they're into older it. and they're experienced together so fumbliness would be really awkward because if i'm directing a brand new couple who've never kissed before I'm going to direct them to reach for each other's faces. Cause that's another way that people, it shows because when you reach for the face, then you can, it shows it's a new kiss. I don't know if that makes sense, but if it's a couple that's done this a million times before, they're going to have a comfort zone, but because I'm doing this with teenagers who are not comfortable at all, I have to say hand here, hand here, tilt this way. Interesting. Um, okay. Okay. But you know, and uh, be- even if it's not comfortable, I just have to say, this is how we're doing it. Yeah. And the other, and so, and one of the things I learned when I did this in 
when I did Oklahoma, because I can remember doing this for Little Shop of Horrors, Oklahoma, um, uh, Greece, definitely. Um, it's just, you know, like I've done so many musicals um, so that I, you know, will help them get to that position um, so that they get comfortable. But the other thing <laughs> I've learned is that you have to hold it there for longer than is comfortable because <laughs> when you peck at somebody, when you kiss somebody for just uh, like, you know, that's how you kiss your mom. That's how you kiss your aunt who's like, give me a kiss, you know, like those kinds of things you peck. And that's how the teenagers would do it if they were given a choice. But because it's supposed to look like you're in love, I have to tell them count one, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000 in your head. And I've oh done God, that. I'm dying for them. I'm dying. I'm dying for them. Oh, they're I'm definitely on. dying. My inner 14 year old is dying. Well, these were all seniors, but yes. Okay, um, my inner 17 and three quarters year old. But, um, but yeah, it is, it's dying, um, but it works. It really does work. And then it's believable on stage. And what's funny is that another character, another actress in the show, after I did this with- Wait, so, wait so seniors haven't ever kissed someone? The young man- You should man. see her face journey. You should see the face journey she's on, you guys. <laughs> she doesn't want to be mean. The young men who are in theater- and choir i mean they might have kissed someone maybe not a girl yeah maybe um i one of them apparently was there was i'm actually impressed that like you know in, in this day and age we're like we figure out that like you know two-year-olds are on twitter no no, no. but this is what i want to say and this is my rant from going back it has happened multiple times where a kid has said, I've never kissed anyone before. I, this is really awkward for me. And it's happened multiple times, including this time. So when people are like kids these days, I'm like, you know what? Fuck you. Right. Cause seniors haven't kissed someone because not all the seniors, but yeah, the, at least the musical theater seniors. <laughs> and especially the young men, I think the musical theater young women are more comfortable in themselves, but the musical theater young men, um, cis right. ones are yeah. still kind of trying to figure out where they fit. Right. Um, and if they, and no matter where they fall on their sexuality, they may not have had the opportunity to express it or feel comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Relating um, to people. And so, um, Anyway, so like, but that's when, when people are like kids these days and I'm like, okay, all of the research shows kids these days are having less sex. They're doing less drugs. They're doing less stuff. They're online more and doing TikTok videos more, but they are doing the stuff that we are like assuming that they're doing because we did them when we were teenagers or we saw other people doing them. They're actually, the statistics show that they're doing it less. Interesting. I did not know this. And so when old people are like kids these days, I'm like, actually, kids these days are more innocent. Oh, you know, and but then what was funny. So this uh, to finish the story, because it's definitely not where we were. I was about to bring it back to Megan being kids these days, being innocent. Okay. I was I was, I was going to I was going to try to do the Porsche thing where we bring it back to the book. But you have a, you have more rant. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, shit. What was I going to say? Fuck. 
I forgot what it was. Kids these days, TikTok, more innocent. Mm. TikTok. So, um, and the mom next door is now back with the cast, the techie who was done with the play. Um, anyway, um, so the one of the other actresses in the play who is one of the more um, self, uh, she's a senior who's very self-confident. She wasn't in the room. She wasn't one of the people who was doing the kiss. But they were all leaving together after this rehearsal. And it was awkward for the people and we're leaving together. And she starts singing a song from a TikTok video that says, my first kiss was in theater. Because this is apparently a thing. Oh. That, and I actually remember somebody from who was in the acting ensemble at Jeff when I was in theater and he was, we were hanging out and I said, what is it like to kiss on stage? And he said, I don't know because the only time I've ever kissed anybody is on stage. And that was when I was in high school myself. And, but then apparently there's a TikTok video where people were talking about this thing of like, for some people, the first, the only kisses they've ever had is in theater class and for theater kids that's a thing and interesting uh, yeah. okay anyway but so, megan is not a theater kid bringing it back to the book awkwardly not not well right so you got a better one bring it back from the sandwiches Portia. You got well something. no 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 i don't know if i have a better one but you're right let's talk about megan because she finds the dead body of Agnes. Right. So she, her mom committed suicide. And then, you know, the new Londoners in town, who are the only people who like treat her like a human. Everyone else is like, I don't know, Megan's weird and stupid and slow. But these Londoners like her and treat her like a human. And she keeps being surprised. She's like, she's like, and again, smoking and all the things but like he like offers her offers her a cigarette and she says something like you mean like i'm a person like like she literally is not used to being treated like she exists and so anyway so she's staying with them but then she went back home because amy said something weird to her um so then she gets a call from them and starts looking around for the maid and she finds her dead body she's the one who like figures out which like uh, Jerry goes over to their house and is like, oh my god, you found a dead body, and is talking to the governess. Um, what the hell's her name? I forgot the governess's name. Emily? The, the hot girl who is not hot until she starts talking. But anyway, he's talking to the governess, and he's like, so how's Megan? She's the one who found the body, and the governess is like, oh, shit. Basically, she didn't say shit, but she is no, like Emily. Emily is the one who's renting the house. What's her? What's the hot girl's name? Elise or Elsie? 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 Elsie. Um, but then he's like, "So is anybody looking after Megan who found the dead body?" Like, is anyone like, yeah, and like you know, in these in these books, standard protocol: you bring a brandy stat. Everybody knows something traumatic or happens. Brandy or both. You bring a port or a brandy. That's the now again port. I think that's going into Friday. Right, but sherry. Some, yeah, Perhaps sherry. a sherry. Definitely a brandy, 
but we're we're giving an alcohol to prevent your shock. We right. all know that like that's but, standard protocol. <laughs> I don't know if that is still standard protocol, but that's what we know. Like you've had an emotional stock shock brandy on board now. And no one no one thought of that. They're just like, I don't know, she found the body. And so Jerry's over like, there. So Elsie at least feels bad and is like, oh my God. And so anyway, but then um things start moving kind of fast. So then they um Elsie gets a a letter and one of the things that was interesting because a whole bunch of people they couldn't figure out if they had had a letter or hadn't had a letter but elsie hadn't had a letter right elsie hadn't had a letter and then she Elsie, got the one. the hot governess she got one but then it turns out that the doctor and it was saying like oh you're trying to move in on the yeah, solicitor the... that you work with for yeah and so then the doctor's sister was arrested because she had gone to the typewriter at the, you know, community center women's auxiliary. And she's the one who typed that letter. Um, and she was like, so this is Amy Griffith, who is Mrs. Respectability around town. The whole book, she's trying to get Megan to like be an industrious young woman and do good works. And she's bothering everyone about, Right, being a donating vegetables. Because it's A I M E with a the um, audio reader in the book I've been listening to at book dot audio. What is it? What's the thing I use? I don't know, but it's spelled A I M E E. Book audio dot online. But the first E that's that's book audio dot online which sounds like a scam but it's not so far you keep interrupting while i spell your name it's a-i-m-e-e but then the first e has a parenthesis you know like not parentheses uh accent accent over it so i definitely thought it was amy well in you say i'm I'm interrupting you but i'm trying to provide you with information that i've gleaned from bookaudio.online that's bookaudio.online um the the, voice the audio the audio reader there says amy amy okay well okay maybe okay well i totally in my head was always like amy so i'm always like okay either way that chick amy so amy amy has been misrespectability like she keeps coming around and like when uh joanna and jerry take in megan she comes around and she's like don't have her stay here have her stay with me i'll put her to work and they're like her mom just died like literally i thought that was a major theme in this no one except for jerry and joanna cared that amy's mom just died everyone was like she should be doing more what's wrong with that girl and they were like her mom just died and her mom just killed herself give her a break and like well it became was like she should be doing basically being putting her on the girl guides or the girl scouts and she's like she should be doing girl scouts and it's like but her mom just died give her a break like i feel like they're the only people who cared about that well and also it's funny reading this this is the first time i read it post being a parent and we've i've noticed other differences i definitely was like aren't the boys freaking out the sons freaking out about the fact that their mom just died like no one seemed to give a shit about the kids any of the yeah. kids whose mom just died right it was like a non-entity nobody was upset about this where i was like um um 
guys like this is traumatic right it's a whole and especially thing. like if you think about unpacking all the layers so again spoiler it turns out to be murder but like a woman who would kill herself with three children that's really traumatic to think that someone would kill themselves with children you know like that's even more layers right a 20 year old but the kids were the 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 boys were like eight and ten or i got they were yeah yeah exactly they were like something like that so it's like they were pre-puberty for sure like yeah yeah so there's layers but anyway so amy amy we'll go with amy was misrespectability always trying to get everyone to be and then so all of a sudden like she's arrested for writing the threatening letter and when it happens she's like mr simmington is there or whatever the way it's going down and she's like not you you can't see me this way i couldn't tolerate it and so it's clear that you know she has feels for mr simmington and going way back and yeah and and, and we we do hear that they had history that like at least they used to like go out together or something before he married his wife that just died right Uh, so she's really embarrassed that he sees that like she's the reason for this and so she's like hide my face in shame so then where are we oh yeah so then um jerry has to go to a checkup with his doctor on you know the whole convalescing from the plane crash so he's been seeing the local doctor mr griffith dr griffith but he has to go to London and be like, see the specialist and, and have a checkup. And this is, and this is where it gets w- weird. Let right, me see so- weird. Something happens. And I don't know where to file it. I don't know where to file it either. So first we have to say that this is the doctor who told him to go to the country. And so he's about to get on the train. It, was it the matters train. so much how old he is. What? Jerry? Yeah. Like this what? scene, if he's 25 or if he's 45, it matters a lot to me. Well, I think he's 25. From the way that he and his sister talk about being in London, I think he's 25. Let's make him 25 because I feel a lot better about this scene if he's 25 than if he's 45. Because I think when I was first reading it in my head, he was 45. And I didn't like the. And I was like, what? I, my, the you know. I don't think that is because a of 40 because his sister and he are not far apart in age and she's partying and having these right and no one's calling her an old maid you're right and at at their age like in that size society she would be like sadness if she was 45 right because um amay what you say what her name was amay griffith was called a spinster because she was older and hadn't had a husband right but nobody was saying that about joanna they said she was a trollop and I think you only call people a trollop if they're in their 20s. Okay. Okay. I like this better. Okay. This scene is a lot easier to take. I want them to have ages, but like the scene is easier to take if he's 25. So basically, okay. The, so we're doing a lot of uh, preamble. <laughs> right. For the- basically, Jerry's about to go to the doctor. He runs into Megan and the, he's and like they're chatting and at the train station. He's about to get on the train and she's like, I don't know, I'm being angsty because I'm Megan and I'm angsty. And he's just like, he literally yanks her on the train and he's he's been on crutches this whole time. 
So it's not easy for him to yank her as he's recovering from like whatever full body injury he had. So he yanks her onto the train at the very last minute, so much so that you can, you can see the conductor being like, you kids, be careful, that wasn't safe. Um, so he pulls her onto the train with him. In a small town where obviously everyone's going to hear about this. And so he's heading in to see the doctor. In London. Then, in London. But then he like pretty woman's her. He totally pretty woman's her. He walks her to... Is it that I think that's where I was struggling with the scene because if he's Richard Gere and she's and she's you know awkward country, uh, what's her face? Julia Roberts. <laughs> I couldn't think of Julia Roberts' name. Julia Roberts. There's just the age thing that makes it different, you know. Right, but, but yeah. So he, but he's. It's a sophistication and. Uh, worldly thing because megan's been nowhere and done nothing and right, so- she's been in this small town she went to school but that was it so she- and so yeah so they go in and he goes to the doctor but mostly he takes her to a tailor and is like well i thought he took megan to his sister's hairdresser right yeah i mean he did that he took her to the hairdresser and definitely some clothes and then he said to her once you do her hair do her face, send her to the makeup artist and to the tailor, like he and to the shops. He was like, do the thing, whatever Joanna does, do this. Like he was like, do the thing. I have to go to my doctor. And I was thinking, how long are you going to be at the fucking doctors? Like, you know, like, right. Um, or would, did he take her to the dressmaker first? And then it was like, take her to Joanna's hair place, whatever. He was like, you know, my sister, help this girl out yes i have brought you my homely friend and then and, it, and, and it's just so interesting because as the reader at this point you're just like what's happening like especially since literally they keep calling her the whole book they're calling her the child even though she's 20 but they keep calling her the child and like and then um joanna at one point and i can't remember where says you your dog is missing or you're missing your yeah, dog. Yeah, because when, when she was living with them and then decided abruptly to go home and he was upset about that, she's like, oh, because you were going to take her for a walk on a leash, like your dog. Like, she makes a reference to her being the dog, which is weird. But I think it's... I What I love about Jerry and Joanna's relationship is unlike some of the other brother-sister relationships, which is just harpy or whatever... It reminds me more of you and my relationship where you're like, you're doing the thing. Did you know you do the thing? I see you do the thing. Yeah. I know you all your life. You're doing the thing. And so Jerry's like, oh, Paul, the artist you were obsessed with for three months, but before that you'd never heard of, I'm pretty sure you're going to be over him. Where she's like, oh, I have to go to the country because I'm so upset about Paul. And he's like, uh-huh, sure. And then when he's like, Megan went home and she's like, oh, are you unhappy because your dog left you? You know, it's Joanna going, do you, how do you think about Megan? It's pushing on Jerry's buttons. Like, is Megan your dog or do you actually care about her? Because you have to decide. And that's a great Oh, I like that. I like that. I like that. Right. Your sibling. Yeah. And then that that is good about our relationship is that we, we can do that with each other. 
And I think great sibling relationships, you get to that point where it's like, I have known you your whole fucking life. So I could be like, <laughs> remember when you were seven? And now, of course, we were just talking about like, we can also spiral and be like, I'm so sorry, because when I was 12, I was an asshole. But then it turns out we were, everyone was an asshole when we were 12. Exactly. So, um, so uh, I yeah, just- Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. But, so anyways, so there, so he takes her to London and like, pretty woman's her she's got like a new haircut like he you know it's it's what not to wear <laughs> and an outfit and a, like a whole thing and so and then they miss the latest train back because they've done all this stuff having this whirlwind day and so there's literally no train so they hire a private car to drive which, them down from london can't even which, imagine like the uber from London right. to wherever they are. And actually, I don't know where this small town is, but I'm guessing it's a several hour drive, but whatever. Yeah, so he hires a private car to take them down and then, like, goes to her house to drop her off. And of course, like, they're like, oh. She was. Yeah, we kind of thought she already went to bed, but, you know, I mean, they had noticed, like, none of you didn't notice at all, but it was a thing. You can't just be a man who takes a woman out of town for some hours from the small town and they're like oh that happened and then everybody's like you did a thing with megan and he's like actually i'm in love with megan and everyone else is like no shit sherlock (laughs) right and then he goes and he asks mary megan to marry him and she says something agatha made her say something which made you think wait, are we saying that Megan did the murders? You know, like she says something like, I'm crazy or I'm unstable or something in a way. Yeah, that she's just like, I just can't right now. I can't deal with you and your feelings because I'm dealing with real shit. Like maybe I killed all these people or something. But to be fair, her mom died and a week later she found a dead body. So maybe it's not all about the man. Right, and then she's like, the makeover is great, but um, Bechdel wise, I'm kind of on uh, <laughs> my mom dying and finding a dead body. I'm like not really on this man thing right now. <laughs> right. And then he does the thing where he asks his her stepfather for Megan's hand in marriage. And his stepfather's like, she's old enough to get married? And you're like, okay, whatever. And then he's also like, well, okay, sure, but does she want to marry you? And he's like, well, no, but she will, hopefully. <laughs> but then meanwhile, the reverend or vicar, see, in the mo- in the book, it's called a vicar, right? It's a vicar, right? I think it's a vicar. But whatever, I can't remember. The point is, the local clergyman wife wakes up Jerry when he's napping and says, something has to be done, because he has this whole thing. And he's like, what? And she's like, I'm calling it an expert. And, and so like, she's, again, to give context, she's the one who's, she's the vicar's wife who kind of like is a seer in some ways. And she's, she's got some wisdom. And so she's like, I'm calling it a, I'm calling it an expert. I'm an old lady who knows old ladies. And so, which Jerry's is finally like, when we get the appearance of Miss Marple. Well, the funny, she says, I'm calling it an expert. And then the whole, um, Megan field trip pretty woman moment happens and then after all that Jerry and Joanna go to the vicar's house and Miss Marple is there and they meet this old lady 
and they make no connection that this is the expert because of course they're just like oh this is just an old lady visiting right they just have a thing but then um miss marple after jerry proposes and is turned down and then miss marples is like calm your tits um (laughs) i don't think miss marple said that (laughs) (laughs) what that's the the subtitle of this episode miss marple says calm your tits (laughs) (laughs) i just love that phrase because my tits have never been alarmed and you know my tits do a lot of things, but mostly they are heavy. And I, um, to... I this is this is a journey that I was I was just laughing about that. And now now we're in a whole other place I wasn't even <laughs> expecting about your actual tits calm situation. <laughs> well, I use go, go on. I'm learning so much right now. But you know the Lily the song Wright from the wrong the song from my crazy ex girlfriend about how they're just weight and they're just heavy but the idea that there's this is an actual phrase is calm your tits and i think it's hilarious because tits never get alarmed tits are not alarmed so i think it's a very funny phrase that's all my point is they're mostly just heavy mine are not heavy and sometimes they are alarmed so <laughs> your your experience is not universal <laughs> wait your tits get alarmed how do they get alarmed mine get cold but mostly they're just heavy. Do yours ever feel alarmed if you're like brawless and you have to be in, in an and you feel like, oh no, someone's going to the door and I don't have a bra and then I feel exposed? Um, my tits are alarmed. I can't imagine being without a bra because when I go down the in street, the house, are you ever like on a Saturday and then like the doorbell rings and you're like, ah, okay, that would be out. alarming. That would be alarming. Because if I go try to go down the stairs without a bra, I have to hold them. No, but I'm saying, but like, yeah, is there any time, like, when you're just, like, on a weekend? That's true, yes. Braless, and then you're like, oh, an unexpected person who I'm not expecting to see my nipples <laughs> has arrived, and now my tits are alarmed. This is Bianca and I differ, differ on this because B is like doesn't have alarm tits, but I definitely I cannot pick up, I cannot open the door for an Amazon driver without like finding a cardigan to cover my nipples because I am very alarmed by having. I am more alarmed at the sagging than I am the nipples. Well, I mean, whatever it is. What about like our our boobs in their natural state? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no way my boobs in their natural states are gonna. Like, right, only certain, like, it's really just for the, the, the immediate family that is able to consume that, everyone else, right? Oh, I totally agree. I don't know if I've ever thought about my tips being alarmed, but I definitely... Well, I hadn't them. thought about it that way, but since you said yours were definitely never alarmed, I was like, well, mine need alarmed when it's like, oh, no! <laughs> ah! I need to walk the half a block to the coffee shop, but... Oh God, no! Yeah, I'm trying to think. Oh, I would never leave the house. Oh, well, I remember just a slide side rant because we're almost done. <laughs> I remember a colleague of mine. Bless her heart, she is a progressive, radical, revolutionary teacher who is <clears throat> very sure of her path. Um. But she had a whole rant about, I don't have to wear a bra because you're patriarchy. 
and I was like, it hurts to go down the stairs. It hurts me. I don't even have big or heavy ones, but it hurts me to go down the stairs. It's, it hurts. To, I remember being 10 and I was at a summer camp for sports running around the Grant field and I was like, it hurts to run. Aww. And it's hurt ever since. And I went home and said, Mom, it hurts to run. And she said, yeah, you need a bra. And then people are like, bras are oppressive. And I'm like, um, or. Or. Um, it. it hurts to do anything without them. Especially when it's hormones yeah, when are doing when it. When you're premenstrual, yes, I concur. But also... when, when people are like, I don't have to wear your bras because you're just trying to hold me down. And I was like, I, no, I'm not feeling oppressed by the things I, it's, it's several pounds of weight that brings everything down. And if I don't hold them up with serious support and people are like, I hate underwire. And I'm like, yes, but support Anyway, so speaking of which, if you, if you guys are not familiar, I already we played it in the previous episode. We played the song, uh, "The Math of Love Triangles" from yes. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and and today oh. Portia referenced "Heavy Boobs." Oh God, it's so um, true. from from uh, which uh, again, I I do not have heavy boobs. I have small boobs that are just also uh, shy and also sensitive. They don't like to go downstairs without a bra, but heavy boobs is a song about, um, having big boobs and how they're just, um, I think the quote is, uh, sacks of fat. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> anyway, I, uh, I, uh, support you. I did not like it. Not as a bra. What <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but like a bra, I support you. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. But that's the other thing is that, okay, I'm going to finish this. Really, we're going to go back to Bobby had a sandwich. She's having a, she's her, 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 her boob brand continues. <laughs> but it's funny because recently we've been trying to get it's the funny kids. funny because it's boobs. The kids are um, drawing out bedtime, you know, in terms of going to the potty and putting on everything, but we also want kids who are capable of doing things. So we're like, you put on your own pajamas, but they will stretch it out. So recently we've been doing, trying to motivate them to put on their PJs by saying, let's have a race with mommy and daddy putting on their PJs. But if mommy's not going to bed right away, I'll like be, yeah, I'm not taking off my bra. <laughs> Because, you know, and so it's a whole thing because I've thought about that. Be like, I want to race with mommy putting on her PJs and I'll be like, I'll put on my PJ bottoms. But, <laughs> but I'm not taking it off until I go to bed because I'm walking around. I'm going up and down the stairs. I'm doing things and it's not comfortable. So I just got to say, I know that people think it's the patriarchy and all of the things, but it, for me, it is literally about trying to be comfortable so okay nobody gives a shit about this you'll have to edit a lot of this nonsense <laughs> so i don't have you seen uh breaking two electric boogaloo 
uh, not since 1987. Okay, I well, it's a, it's it's a delight, but the the and I don't I have seen it more recently than Breaking One, whatever that was Breaking. Um, uh, but um, one thing you'll notice is just the nipples are just free, and I can't pay attention to the plot because all I can all I can hear is nipples. Oh my god! So <laughs> just like so, we're just. We're not, we're, there's dialogue in this scene. I have no idea because there's just nipples. There's just nipples sticking out in church I everywhere. Know, and see, and I'm like, how could anyone focus? And I understand it's the patriarch that's made me feel that way. But like, I, 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 I guess it was a window in the late seventies, early eighties where you like, one oh could my just God, so like, no, I'm at rehearsals and there's this senior girl who's very talented young woman and all the things and she has a very thin shirt and no anything underneath. And I am incredibly distracted. And I am, and Amanda can attest to this, one of the straightest person you'll ever meet. Yeah, I'm not even saying it's in a gay way, but it's just like, but the nipples. Like, but it's just I distracting. Am... I'm not even saying if you're, it's a good thing or a bad thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. I'm just like, I'm away, ma'am. Like, you're going to hurt someone. stay up like that? Because they could just stay up. And then... And then I'm just like, it's just thin shirt and I'm distracted and I'm thinking, oh, don't look at our nipples. <laughs> I'm, oh God. I mean, it's a thing. I noticed it. I, it was a thing. It was definitely a thing. And I was like, oh God, it was, uh. and this is not the first time this has happened with theater young women where I was just like, oh right, shit. They rejected the patriarchy, but the patriarchies of the rest of all of our brains were just like, ah, your nipples but are also, they are, yeah. Oh god. <laughs> we have gone off the rails. Where are the sandwiches? Okay, sandwiches. Okay, so. Okay, um, so Megan uh, got a makeover. Right, and so uh, Jerry asks Megan's stepdad, "Can I marry?" And then Miss Marple's in town and says, "I'm doing a thing." And right. So, like, so Miss Dane, what's her name? Dane Calthrop. Cal I think it's Calthrop. Dane Calthrop. Yeah, Calthrop. Okay, so she brings. She's like, "I'm bringing an expert," and they had met with Miss Marple, but they didn't realize that she's the expert. So now it's now shit's about to go down. I'm sorry, stuff's about to go down. Oh, yeah, because of, of the person who said too much swearing. Well, we already swore today. And I just spent a bunch of time talking about boobs and penises. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, Miss Marple was like, back off on Megan because she has a thing. So he actually goes. She, he he's, she says that to Jerry? Yeah. But then Jerry's like, hey, Jerry, calm down. Megan's doing something right now. Right. But Jerry's like, I'm worried about Megan. So he goes to the house and looks in the window. Not at all creepy, Jerry. Yeah, that's stuckery. And then, um, but it was a little bit awkward because Megan wouldn't have done this if it wasn't for all of this. But anyway, he goes to the window. Oh, right, right, right. This is where he, he observes her shaking down. And she Mr. goes Mr. to... Simington. Mr. Simmington and basically says, I saw that you didn't. She doesn't say, house. she just says, I saw the right. thing. And she doesn't really say what she saw, but she's like, so I need some money. And he's like, how much money? And she's like, a whole bunch. 
and he's and, like, here's the check. Right. And so he does that. And then um, Jerry, and then Jerry like, basically stumbles into the police officer that has been working on this right in the bushes because he's in the bushes being a weirdo. And then the police officer is like, hey, I'm in these bushes doing police work. Well, Jerry first did that at the women's observatory when they arrested Amayami. Um, right. So I, Jerry's a busybody old lady, basically. Except, yeah, except for he's, he's a like, young man being a busybody, like, I'm solving a murder too, because, like, right, he was at the the place where they found her typing. Right. So, he's like, I have to save Megan, and they're like, shut the fuck up, you idiot, you're gonna mess this up. Um, so then, um, he's like, I'll pay you, but then he was like, uh, um. Okay, so, Mr. Simington, her. you're using too many he's. So Jerry is in the bushes and he watches as Simington says I'll pay you. Fine, here's your check to Megan because she's like I I know a thing. But doesn't the, really doesn't really clarify to the reader what she knows. Right. And then um Simington gives her a sleeping drug and then puts her head in the gas oven and then was going to turn on the gas oven and let her die, but then Jerry and the police are there. And Jerry rescues Megan and Simington's like, yeah, I killed my wife and Agnes. So he forced, for, okay, so it turns out, <laughs> so this is the, the thing. And Miss Marple figured it all out because of Mrs. Dane Calthrop saying, we've got anonymous letters and none of them are right. Is Mrs. Sim Mr. Simington was like, here's the thing. I'm going to cover up. I want to kill my wife. This is his plan. My nanny's my hot. My wife is annoying. And like they had this whole thing about the wife having like mental health issues the whole time. And then like, she like basically would go to bed and be exhausted or, you know, right. and need mental health things. Which right. of course means you got to kill her because there's right. a hot nanny. So he's like, cool, kill my annoying wife who's got mental health issues. There's the hot nanny that like, I'm a dummy. So I don't care the fact that she's stupid or annoying. Well, I mean, she's beautiful because in any other situation, why don't you just have an affair with the nanny and the hot and the wife wouldn't even notice. But whatever. We, it's a, you know, um, but but the, and the nanny is not complicit. Right. She doesn't know any of this. Um, so so he's like, I'm going to kill my wife. But what I'll do is send anonymous letters to everyone. And it's like the most complicated story because he had known about anonymous letters in another town. So he wrote the addresses on this uh, on the envelopes from this typewriter for then everyone. He donates the typewriter. He don't like yeah. He did a bunch of envelopes first. Then he donated the typewriter, and then he's got the envelopes already like pre-addressed or whatever. And then he. I just... forgot to say that Jerry found the book with all the letters printed out, and they were at his house or whatever. But whatever, it was a you know a place that a lot of people had been. So he had typed in all this typewriter, and they donated the typewriter, and that's why the letter to Jerry and Joanna was actually written to originally to Miss Barton at that same address, and then he changed it to Burton. You know. Oh right, because they're Bartons renting from Burton, so they had cha he changed the right like I'll scribble that out on the envelope. And so he he wrote all these letters, but the underlying message 
was that as a man, he actually had no idea of the actual gossip. Right. So the sexism that this would have been done by a woman was not true. But the sexism that the book believes in is that women would have known the actual gossip. So because a man did it, he was just like making shit up out of thin air and he didn't use any actual gossip. Which as the local lawyer is bullshit. Oh, good point. I'm sorry. As the local lawyer, whoever is making wills and, you know, prenups and all sorts of things, he would know the actual gossip. So the underlying sexism. You're right, because the tell is that none of them are based in reality. But he, right, as a lawyer, he would have, they would have, he could have just been like, I'm a gossip too, even though I'm a sit, cishet guy. Right, which I think is Agatha's underlying thing is like she kept on saying that all of the experts was like this is a woman and then it turned out to be a man and the point is because it was a man he had all the gossip wrong which Mm -hmm. is both is sexism in two ways. A, that anonymous letters are only women and he was Yeah, but the book is sexist in the way that being like that a man couldn't also know the gossip right yeah because like and that was a that was um the reverend's miss dane calthrop's point was that like oh there are things but these letters are not calling out the right things good point portia so the book is overall has a sexist message because it's like a man couldn't yeah and like you're right it's like he's a solicitor of course he knows some gossip Right. I'm just saying. I mean, like the local lawyer in town would know everybody's dirty secret because they're like, I have to write a will. I have to do a prenup. I have to do a whatever, you know, but whatever. Yeah. Anyway, and also nobody seems to give a shit that there was three kids who lost their mom. That was so not at all a thing. But as I said, that didn't bother me when I first time I read it. But the, but the solution was that Miss Marple came in and she's like, hey. He did it, but we can't prove it. So, Megan, you go and extort him. Right. And when he tries to kill you, then we'll be able to prove it. And, like, it went as far as he drugged her and put her head in the oven before they... So, it was like, they definitely put Megan at risk. Because, like, what if he chose just bashing her head in? And, of course, they were like, well, he couldn't do that because the maid just died that way. So, he had to make it look like a suicide. But I was like... But what if he didn't think through it that well and he just bashed her head in? Like, right, totally. And then they definitely put Megan at risk. Definitely put Megan at risk. But then the reason that Amay, Amay, the doctor's sister, wrote that one letter is that she's been in love with this asshole who married this woman, had three kids, killed his wife because he was interested in the governess. She was in love with him from way back. Right, Amy had been like in love with him from way back, and so, in the context of all these other letters, she she finally wrote one to the governess that was like, "You're the whore trying to sneak in on this widower," but that was the first one that wasn't from him, and she was just like getting on the bandwagon. And then one of the clues was that that governess had never gotten one because he written a letter to absolutely everyone but he couldn't bring himself to write one to the woman that he actually loved which is an interesting but that was one of miss marple's clues was that he had never 
right to the governess um but then uh megan was like actually i do like you jerry so they get married yeah so jerry keeps trying and then she's like well yeah now that we solved my mother's murder and now yeah now now i i do love you but then also the more interesting love story is joanna and the doctor and we talked about this at the very beginning that he was ignoring her and she was like, I'm right here. I'm full size. There's this great line. Um, right. There's all these great quotes. Um, yeah, this uh, book is very well written. It's worth reading just because like the quotes are great. But uh, so, yeah, I'm scrolling down to all the quotes I write, but she was like, I thought perhaps for a moment you didn't see me after all. I am life size. And she's definitely like trying to like get under the doctor's nerves because he's not noticing her. But one of the things that Jerry's noticing as the sibling is that she always was attracted to the artist, starving artist who needed to be rescued. And then here's this doctor in a small town that. She- oh, and there's this thing. Cause at the end, she, cause like, she's kind of throwing herself at him. Oh yeah. Because and she- then she ends up with him when he has to like, actually has to like deliver a baby and she ends up helping him and she's like oh my god like he's actually doing stuff and so i think she gets actual respect for him right right because at first she's only trying to get his attention because he's not paying attention to her and she's just a man paying attention to her because she's gorgeous but then yeah she was hanging out with him and then he gets called to an emergency birth, which is going badly. And he's like, you've got to do this. you got to do this. And it was hard and horrible. And he does it. And he's like, try to be helpful because I'm trying to do a thing. And she's like, it was horrible. But she realizes he doesn't need to be rescued. Right. And the way that her starving artist who didn't have real problems, he's an actual small town doctor who mostly has to deal with whatever, but sometimes has to deal with like real fucking problems. And she's like, holy shit. And so their love story, I like a lot better than Jerry and Megan's because Jerry and Megan end up together and that's great. But since half three quarters of the book, Jerry's describing Megward at as awkward and young. And then, and now they're done. It's interesting because their dialogue like he's always kind of insulting her. Like they, and again, you can see there are relationships where like it's kind of like, come on, you know, fuck face or whatever. I don't know. Like he's, it's not that's not what he calls her, but it's you know he, it yeah, it's it feels too big brothery a little bit. Right, right. You want them to be more on local foot on on level footing, but definitely like Joanna and the doctor definitely are on on level footing. Right, so it's a much more interesting way. love story because Joanna is used to being a desirable woman who rescues like, and he's like, I've never seen this woman from London, and I'm kind of intimidated by her. But if she is here, she needs to be useful, and so like they've got a completely different dynamic for both of them have ever dealt with. So their love story is kind of awesome. But yeah. Jerry and Megan's is a lot more like I rescued you. Right. Cause he pretty, pretty woman's her. Pretty, pretty woman's her. And he's like, 
And he's the only person to see her as a person where everyone else in the town thought she was a changeling or a slow person or whatever. Yeah. So it's, you're right. Like it's, it's too heroic with Jerry and Megan, but yeah, the doctor and Joanna is really actually interesting story. Cause I would have loved it if Megan would have called Jerry out on his shit the way that Joanna did. Cause Joanna- right, right. You want, and she does like, she stands up for herself just about herself. She'll be like, I'm not stupid, but people think I am. But like, she never is like, dude, why did you buy me a whole new wardrobe when I was fine? Like you want her, you want her to like, in terms of their interpersonal. Right. To be a little stronger. Right. Cause it, you know, like the, I'm, yeah, because it's okay that he pretty woman's her, but if she would be like, the hell, dude, I'm a person, I was fine, and he could be a little abashed about, like, you were fine, I just, but she never gives him the pushback, um, which I think in real life she would have. So that love story is a little bit more like the male rescues the female as opposed to the Joanna Dr. Griffith story is a little bit more like both of them at it from weird angles. And then both of them are like, actually you're pretty awesome. You know? Yeah. I totally agree. And as I said, I like Joanna the whole time. I like the way I, I relate to her where she's like, I'm in love and I have to go to the country because I can't, because I've been there. And then she's like nobody appreciates me and i've been there and then she meets with this doctor and she's like what and she's I- and she's she's concerned about fitting in the in the small town but she's also not willing to change which i can relate to where it's like everyone here is looking at me because i'm different and then she goes ahead and be different you know what i mean like right she's not yeah. stupid she knows how to dress as a country woman and she's still dressing like she would in london and and then noticing that everyone's noticing which is like I spend a lot of time in, in, in doing that. Like, I'm going to Portland and using my umbrella. I can't believe everyone's mad at me for using my umbrella in Portland. I'm going to use my umbrella in Portland. Like, I understand that. Like, yeah, she's she's very relatable. But it's interesting because she's not the main character, but you really like her. And it's, you know, layers about it. Being a woman writing, the man is a protagonist, but, like, the sister is very relatable. Right, because I love Joanna. I related to Joanna. I was rooting for her. The fact she ends up with Dr. Griffin, I'm both like, yeah, serves you right. And right, like, you know. Um, but then, yeah, Jerry being kind of like a knight on shining armor thing annoyed me a little bit more. Yeah, it was weird, right? Because like, that romance between him and Megan, where like he's referring to her as the child and then he falls in love with her like that just never feels good like you don't like and you get like maybe they're not that far in age but when they're like that just the child and now you love her gross you know like right well and also like so this woman was murdered by her husband and then the dad turned out to do it and for the purpose of the governess, what happened to the two kids? I, I I never thought about it before. Like I just gotta say, it's not. But um, we had it was one of the super happy fun endings. But yeah, uh, what about those two kids? Agreed. So right, like, and like yeah, because I kept thinking like everyone's just like Megan needs to just get on with her life. It was like her mom died yesterday, guys. Just like <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Give her some grace. And you're right. There are two little kids who, like, now the mom died and the dad's a murderer. So who's going to care for them? We don't know that. We don't know the super happy fun of those kids. Right. So, like, yeah. So I... I, I realized that they were just props for the purpose of the story. But now I'm just like, what about, you know? Yeah. The other thing I wanted to bring up was the amazing writing. So there's a time when Jerry is has been called to talk to the mother of Beatrice. So who was, uh, so Beatrice was like a maid who came in and did some cleaning at the house. And then she got an anonymous letter. So she stopped going there. Right. And then her mom calls Jerry down to talk to her about how, how to handle these letters and everything. And she's like, oh, you're a, you know, a fancy guy from London. You'll know how to handle this stuff. Anyways, at part of, partially during the, the conversation, the book says, unable to find a way out of the sentence. And like... <laughs> It's just, it's just, so I, I, it was just like so amazingly written because there's definitely times when you like, either it's you or you are perceiving someone who's gotten them themselves at the end of a sentence that they don't know how to find their way out of. <laughs> it was just so well written. I was like, oh, like that was amazing. Yeah, there's so many quotes that you wrote down. So Partridge, which was the woman who uh, was their housekeeper, but used to be Miss barton's housekeeper who was upset about the woman getting a getting a phone call that partridge enjoys calamity her nose always twitches ecstatically when she has to break bad news of any kind she came into joanna's room with her nose working overtime her eyes bright and her more mouth per, pulled down in an exaggerate exaggerated gloom like oh it's so sad and i i gotta say i am partridge because even bad enjoy gossip, calamity. <laughs> even bad gossip is fun to tell. <laughs> I just gotta say, it's just bad gossip is fun. All gossip is fun. I like gossip. I know that's makes you a bad person. I'm not a bad person, but I like gossiping. There are times when I was like, oh, "Did you Wait, not I, did, know? I just, I never think of you as a, as a person who likes gossip. I love. I would have thought that more of me than you. But I love gossip in a way where I was like, "Did you know? <gasps> Did you know?" And I well, and it's that whole thing about like reveling to hate something. Like, um, be watched. What's it called? Don't worry, don't worry, darling. Oh, is that the new one? The yeah. new one that everyone's talking about. Yeah, yeah. So B watched that, and she's like obsessively hating it. And like, even while she was watching it, she was like putting on her stories like she was enjoying hating it so much like throughout watching it and then it's like for the two days since she's just been like really in a moment of like loving it and i'm just like i'm really happy for you right now how much you <laughs> like this because <laughs> it's clearly like just liking this movie is so pleasing to you so it's oh like it's nice and it watching just... is so fun when yes when the live action sound of music was done live on whatever they were because you know they've done these musicals that are like yep. action and they did a fucking um carrie underwood i think i don't know one of the american idol country singers played maria and then but they had like oh my god they had amazing singers playing all the other roles and 
hate watching that was so fun. It was so fun to make fun of. <laughs> it was so fun where I could be like, oh my god, did you see that scene? Because they had uh oh my god, I'm gonna blank on her name, but an incredible actress and singer who's been in so many things played Mother Superior and she sang Climb Every Mountain next to Carrie Underwood, and it was just pathetic how different the singing was. And I had so much fun hate watching. Hate watching is awesome. Right. Fried is awesome. I gotta say, watching other people that you want to go down go down is so fun. I I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's so fun. I know I shouldn't enjoy watching people I want to go down go down, but I do. I enjoy it. That's so funny. I think I have less of that than than you and B. Oh God, that means I'm a. It's funny because I'm the Gemini. You'd think I'd have more of that, but. Uh... <laughs> but but sometimes you just look like oh I have to get the popcorn and watch the fire happen. It's. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, I thought she did a really good job of of. Uh, you know, describing someone who was just reveling in something terrible. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's very true. And I, yeah, I thought, you know, just thinking about her as a writer and everything, you know, we've been doing some books that are not her and even like the Franny Fishers that we've been enjoying, but like they're not this. No. Like there's a reason that she's a master and like it, it's, it's subtle. Like it's not. You know, she just she just puts it in. She just sprinkles it throughout, like these these the descriptions. Well, that... and that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, because I think when I read this as a younger person, I never would have related to that. It is me as an older person who is like, actually, I do enjoy giving people bad news. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the older I get, that I'm like, oh, I have bad news for you. I mean, like. Okay, so are we done with the book? I think so. I mean, I think we talked about how we loved all of the lines. There's a couple of lines on there. What was the, I can never stand people who too pleased with themselves? I think she was talking about Amy. Okay. Like Joanna said, I can never stand people who are too pleased with themselves, and I can definitely relate to that. I can't stand anyone who's too pleased with themselves. And I'm always afraid of coming off too pleased with myself. Because when I am pleased with myself... I never want to come off that way. But I, I think what you were saying is that there's so many great lines in this about human nature. Yeah. There's just so many great lines about people and how they deal with each other. Yeah. And if there were some parts where we're like, that might not happen. It might, might, but the observations of human nature, and we didn't even talk about the local witch. There was a we didn't even talk about the local witch. Where yeah, everyone was like, "It's her doing the letters," and they were like, "It's not her doing the letters." But yeah, they who basically she took it took advantage of the fact that like her family had a reputation for being witches, right, Mrs. Cleet. But because like people were like, "Oh my God, she's a witch," she had nothing to do with it. But because people were like, "A woman doing evil things," she kind of, but she kind of played with. Yeah, she, she, yeah, she would be like, she, yeah, she used that to make people scared of her or to do her favors or whatever. Okay, Portia yeah. Scale. Um, this is a really good one. Um, gosh, it's, 
eight and a half eight and a half yeah it's a good book it's a good book it's got good writing you don't see the solution coming it plays on everyone's inherent sexism um yeah so it's a good book it's got some problems but you know like overall like it's really good it's a really good book okay eight and a half we got that okay portia what's the next book oh shit okay um hang on hang on the next book is towards zero um have you read that one i think i have but i don't remember see again that's another one with like the title doesn't mean anything to me yeah um yeah so towards zero from 1944 yeah we'll have to go it's been a while we we read this a while ago and then things happened and lots of things happened so yeah i think yeah no it's it's superintendent battle yeah I definitely read it, but I can't remember it right now. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Okay, so towards zero. Record it because Amanda's coming, but then we're going to have off-brand Thanksgiving, so we can't record when we do off-brand Thanksgiving, so we might have to record. We might be able to do the Friday night when I'm there. We might be able to, yeah. And then we'll have to do something during the actual Thanksgiving weekend when you're back in D.C. Yeah. So... But, All right. Uh, well, thank you very much, Portia. Thank you, listeners. And it's not going to be three hours. Ha-ha. All right. Slightly, slightly yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening. All, All right. right. Bye, everybody. Bye.